guys. Welcome to Slash Report. I'm Prue, and this week I am not joined by my usual partner in crime, MK, for reasons that we will elaborate on later. Instead, <laughs> I am joined by special guests, Hoyden. Hello. Hello. And first time on the podcast, Xenicus. Hello. Hello. Um, and we are super excited because this is our very special X-Files episode. Guys, are you as psyched Yay. as I am? <laughs> yes. Very psyched. Uh, amazing. So to give you guys some context, um, before we started recording, we were just like kind of chatting and going over some like ground rules. And Hoyden <laughs> was like, oh, so is MK not going to be on here? And I was like, yeah, the only episode of the X-Files MK ever watched was Home, which is about the incest family with the legless parent under the bed. So <laughs> no, she is not going to be on the episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, MK. Sorry. It's, it's that just, was maybe, I, I yeah. I don't know what would be like a counter episode to be able to like erase that experience from her mind. There really isn't one. <laughs> it's, it's impossible. Wait, to... what about what about baseball episodes? Yes. Everybody loves baseball episodes. Everyone does love okay, baseball episodes. Yeah. But there's yeah, no way one. to... But how do you scam her into watching the show again, period? Because like <laughs> her entire response at this point is to basically be like, no, that show is terrifying and gross. And I'm like, I can't really... It is pretty scary. And you did watch the worst one, <laughs> which was yeah. like I know from television I for mean, a long time. Unless you try and sell it to her that in reality, Fox Mulder is like a magical girl, then I don't think it's going to happen. Like, Holy there are no cats. Shit. Like, it's just not going to work. Well, I kind of have a similar experience because, like, the first thing of X-Files I've ever seen was actually... Oh, what's that episode? It's the episode where Krychek gets the black oil. No! But, and then he vomits it, like, on top of the, the, the spaceship. And I basically just saw that clip. Like, I opened <laughs> the TV and it was Krychek, like, bleeding from his eyeballs. And like spewing the black oil, and, it was and like, what? Okay. Like you decided, good. This is for me. No, no, that no, no. I was like, never, ever, ever again. So I actually, kept, I I got into X Files after the first movie because my oh, first wow. experience was Crycheck spewing black shit, and I was like, <laughs> nope, nope, never touching that again. And then I changed my mind. Okay, so that's really interesting. So, okay, yeah. so if, considering that Crycheck spewing black oil was your first introduction to the X Files, how did you end up watching the series at all? Like, did you go see the movie and decide I to catch up? Movie, or? Yeah, I saw the movie first and then couldn't understand anything. Because, like, it's. I don't know for, you, for For me, since I didn't know the show at all, like, mm-hmm. that movie makes no sense. No sense at all. Like, you don't know who the characters are. Like, the the lone gunmen come in and you're just like, what? Everything was, like, super confusing. But I guess it was confusing in an enticing way. Uh And also, they were very pretty. It's very true. And then I kind of, I had to hunt down. And then that's the fun part. The fun part is if if you start, so when is the first movie? What, What year was that? That would be, well, I don't remember the year, but it was after the season. 98? After Maybe. season it was, five. It was after season five. Yeah. So basically, I had to catch up with five seasons of show that were not really <laughs> rerunning in Quebec where I am. So they were, there was reruns of the fifth season in French. And yeah. French translation is terrible. Hmm. And then uh, I, me and my friend basically had to hunt down the whole season series at blockbuster 
Oh my and god! Whoa. None of them had all of the seasons. Like they were impossible to find. So I think we ended up like subscribing to five different blockbusters or home video rentals place to be able to catch up on the entire series. So we Major like my experience. <laughs> my experience of the first five seasons of X Files is completely out of order, half in English, half in French. Super confusing, like trying to <laughs> trying to get to make sense of it, like with episode guides and magazines, because like wow, didn't have the internet yet. That's some yeah, that's yeah, some it, serious dedication. <laughs> well, Mulder was very pretty. It's also it's I mean, also that's kind of a really interesting fundamental element of this show that we'll get into is that this is like this is the show that bridged fandom from being a non-internet entity yeah. to an internet yeah. entity and yes. that that story of you trying to find the episodes is so indicative of it like yeah. i'm guessing that when you were at the blockbuster renting the episodes you were renting those vhs's that have like three yeah. episodes yes. each right yes, i own a lot of those they were expensive too they were, they were like expensive. Oh. they were like 25 were to 30 rented. bucks yeah yeah and you never knew what was going to be there, right? So you, we'd hunt out like a new blockbuster, we'd go there, ask what they had in terms of X-Files, and they would have like random, like half a season, half of this <laughs> one, and just like a random cassette with three episodes somewhere in the middle, and you're just like, okay, well, I guess we're, we're watching this now. And it's just like completely out of order. Um, really, really, yeah, it was a quite a strange experience. But then... Yeah, the internet kind of helped after that when you start, like, you'd have episode guides and you'd have a little bit more info and we pieced it all together on yeah. dial-up, like, on our parents' God. internet, of course. Yeah. Nice aside, but, youngsters, y'all don't know how lucky you have it, considering <laughs> the X-Files is streaming in I, full quality across, like, 14 different streaming uh, options right now. Yeah. Y'all no, don't even know. Y'all don't know. <laughs> okay, so that was Xenakis and her terrible journey and her stations yes. before the cross. And and the other thing too is at that point my English wasn't that good. Like I was basically <laughs> learning English with X Files, which is really hard because the show itself, like nobody talks like a normal in the person. X-Files. Like <laughs> nobody talks like a normal person. Mulder mumbles like crazy, yes. and. Oh God! They're, they're the using worst. really big words for somebody who's not like whose English is not the first language. So you really uh, went in the deep end on this one. I, I really did, and like the first, my first viewing of X Files really is like when I'm rewatching stuff now. I'm just like, oh, that's what it's about. Like that's what he's saying. What the hell? <laughs> that's beautiful. I love that. Oh, okay, yeah. Hoyden, try to top that one. Okay. Well. Uh... So, in my continuing adventures of my mom is definitely, like, a proto-fangirl. Like, Ooh. she was not involved in, like, fandom in any, like, real sense. But she definitely raised me on Star Trek, on Star Wars. Um, she was just into a lot of genre television that I as an adult really appreciate. And so, I'm glad I had that experience growing up. But she was also super, 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 super into the X-Files. Nice. And mm. I had a similar experience, which is that, um, like, I would hear the theme music. And I remember, I have this distinct memory of being like, okay, I'm going to sit down with my mom. And we're going to watch the X-Files together. And 
I actually do not. I have no memory of whatever episode I saw, but it scared the shit out of me. And I was like, <laughs> I, I was like, Mom, I love you. And normally, like, I trust you, but I'm out. Like, I can't do this. <laughs> um, so, which is, like, a surprise to nobody. Like, I'm definitely the person who, like, watched The Sixth Sense and had nightmares for weeks. I'm just, like, I have an imagination that easily runs wild. So you can see why The X-Files might be a dubious proposition for me. Like, <laughs> a little bit. Just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we were also very young. Like, I think we're all yeah. pretty much the same age. Like, when it started yes. running, we were young. Like, we were, we were not, very like, young. Early teenagers, yeah. so. Yeah. Yes. So basically what happened, and this is like, I I think how I got here was in the early, I was probably going to say around 2004, 2005, um, I was in those, in those days of fandom that you often had, um, I would say you went to authors like websites to like mm-hmm. read their fic. Yes. And I started reading fic by Sleeps with Coyotes. Who I remember that bitch. Written across. Yes. Like, I think I started reading her anime fandom fic. And then I was like, well, what's, this, what's all this X-Files stuff? And I started reading some Mulder Crycheck. And I was like, okay, this is fascinating. But I feel like I'm missing some important shit here. So, <laughs> uh, so this is actually in, like, the earliest days of, I think, Netflix becoming... Um, having more and more stuff, but it was still in the days of, like, you have to, like, have DVDs, like, sent to you. Like, streaming was not an option. Oh, that's very right. much yeah. at all. So I sat there, and I ordered disc after disc after disc, but you could only get two at a time. So I was always like, damn it, just, like, you have to process my return. Send me the next DVD. Like, I can't take this. This is so bad. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> So, so like, I was really into it, even though it did often scare me because, again, easily scared. Um, and I also did a solid slash terrible thing to my roommate at the time, which Wait, was... Wait, pause, pause. What is that noise? I don't know. I moved me. around. Did I move around? Yes, it might be. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Okay. Um, uh... Hoyden, start your story at, I did a solid slash terrible thing. Okay. So I did a a solid slash terrible thing to my roommate at the time, which is that she, you know, we had a two-bedroom apartment and a living room with one TV. So I'd be, like, watching these episodes, and she, like, started sitting down with me. I got her into it. And so, like, we were just, like, watching them together. I was like, maybe we should be doing, like, you know, stuff for grad school, but instead let's just watch The X-Files. Yeah. And I have, like, the most, my most beautiful memory of her was when they announced the second movie was coming out, and she was like, you know what? You know what? Here's the thing. I don't trust those assholes. This is going to be, like, the worst, but am I going to do it? Yes, I am. God damn it! Like, she was so angry about it. Like, her fury in advance was so pure and wonderful, and uh, so that's my conclusion of uh, really... That's that's me and X Files. That's what happened. Oh, that's phenomenal. God. That's phenomenal. <laughs> I feel like here's the interesting thing. Both of you guys came to the show a bit later in the run. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, I actually started watching really early on in the actual progression of the series, like far too young to have been watching it. And I yeah, think I, I think I may have been. T- I think I may have told this story before on the podcast, but I'll recap it for those of you who haven't heard it before. Um, I got into the X Files in middle school, so like I was at most twelve years old when I started watching the mm-hmm. show um, because I went to one of my friends' houses to s- spend the night for a sleepover, and her whole family was really into the show. And I was, you know, like, I'm not, I'm an odd one. Like, I don't like horror at all. Like, the genre as a whole, like, does not do it for me. Which is weird considering, like, my hardcore, like, Hannibal fandom behavior. But, but um, it's so pretty. It is very pretty. But, like, I don't like jump scares. I don't like being creeped out. Like, as a child, I had recurring night terrors about um, aliens coming to abduct me. So, like, I'm not Aww. really sure, like, why this show appealed to me so much. But I remember so clearly being at Stephanie's house and um, she her, her saying something along the lines of, like, oh, we started watching this new show. It's, like, super cool and, like, really creepy. And we watched, like, an episode that she had taped or something like that. And it was dreadful. I would argue it is literally the single worst episode of The X-Files ever made. And it was the episode three, which is the one oh. episode. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone who was on this podcast and who was like, watch the whole series is like cracking up right now. It is the episode after um, Scully gets abducted by Dwayne Barry very early in the series, like season two, right? Like, um, and it's the one episode that she's not in in any capacity. So it's David Duchovny with like his girlfriend at the time who mm-hmm. was playing a vampire in some sort of like a gritty LA noir remake of vamp it fucking so terrible bad. it was like Why? it was like so excruciatingly like boring and weird to a young child and then like as an adult when i rewatched it recently i was like no this was not just the like the shadow of memory this episode is actually mm. hot trash and <laughs> I could not even explain why I kept watching it, except for the fact that I used to ride the bus home with Stephanie on Friday afternoons and spend like almost every other Friday night at their house. Mm -hmm. She was my bestie. And that's how I started watching the X-Files, because back then the X-Files ran on Friday nights Mm -hmm. because all the cool kids were at home watching fucking Fox sci-fi on Friday nights. It was me and my middle school brethren hanging low. Um, (laughs) And after a while of this, what happened was, I think maybe like after a couple of months, me seeing the odd episode here and there, I got really curious and wanted to find an episode summary. And this is back in like the wild, wild west days of the internet where like it barely had a graphical user interface. And like when I was using it, it didn't. I was using a blue DOS Telnet digital uplink from a university computer lab to find content on the internet. And like all navigation was keyboard based and searching for like an an episode summary was like fucking like sawing off your own arm it was like impossible to find any information which is how very early on in my journey through the x-files i found fanfic by accident like people were already writing it and i remember being like 12 years old and reading this like fanfic where like dana and fox have like six redheaded like irish catholic children and i was like yes i I was like i don't really feel like this is gonna (laughs) happen in the show 
I feel like a lot of stuff would have happened between the episode that I just watched, which is probably three, and, like, this happening. Because Scully's been abducted, and also, Fox? What? So that's how I get into the X-Files. It's just as confusing to me that I decided to stay in the fit. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It was yeah, a singular show. The, the, the internet, so the internet part for me came pretty quickly because, so that was after season five, the movie was out. So I probably uh, came upon Fick between season five and season six. Yeah. And um, by that time, there was still, like the Gus Emmer archive was up. There was this site called Idealists Heaven who ran a uh, a rec list that was updated pretty often. And basically, I I don't remember how I came upon that site, but at that point, my dad had a computer with internet. And I was allowed 15 minutes on the computer every day. And so I would basically go to that site, click on every single rec that was there, copy-paste them into Word documents, and uh, print them out. Did you print them? Yes! <laughs> I had, like, at the end of it, I had, like, three full boxes of fic printed out for X-Files. And then I would read them in my room, along with an English-to-French and French-to-English dictionary, because there was still a lot of confusing things, especially when you're reading smut, and you don't so really true. Read- <laughs> So true. <laughs> it's like the way that Hoyden and I probably know more sex Japanese. Yeah. Like, yeah exactly. Well, Hoyden knows actual Japanese, but I mostly know like how to get to a bathroom, how not to be sold for parts, and like sex Japanese. Yeah. So exactly. like essentially, if I decided to run away and become a hooker, I'm set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So definitely. so my my English vocabulary expanded really quickly and in really weird <laughs> directions that summer or whenever that was. Um which is it's really funny because like you have second second language English classes uh, at that point in high school in in Montreal and then you like I think I jumped from like the average class to the really advanced one in in a year and See, nobody could understand. That's <laughs> Fandom changes lives. That's so beautiful. Amazing. Uh, and then, so I would print them out, and I would bring them to school. And then I had this group of friends who were really into X-Files as well. And I would lend them out. So we had this little lending library of fix. That would, oh, my God. Like, that's so cute. Be distributed at school, and then everybody would, like, pass them around. And they were, like, I have no idea what those fix were. Like, I, I trashed almost all of them, but... I, I don't think there was any kind of quality control or any kind oh, no. of specific content we would look for at that point because there was no way to really search for anything. So you would just read whatever you found. Yeah. However terrible it was. And, well, also, uh, I mean, the benefit is at that age, I don't think we were as discerning no. about what's good and bad. And this is something no. that I figure I thought we would come to later, but like maybe let's go ahead and get it out front. Like, I am genuinely scared to go back and yeah. find the X Files fanfic that I remember loving so much when I first read it, right? Because yeah. I just yeah. like do not want like my adult point of view to be like, no thank you to this, right? Because I love those memories of having read them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I definitely 
So because I came to it much later, like 2005-ish, so after, I mean, the series was over at that point, yes? I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah, it was definitely yeah. over. Um, so, I mean, I had the benefit of already, like, being able to pillage people's reckless. Um, <laughs> one of the, one of the reckless that I read was, was curated by Slash and Nestra of bifictional Bedlam's, um, polyamorous mm-hmm. racks, which is not yeah. actually polyamorous for the most part, just what they called it. Um, so, like, I had the benefit of being able to, like, go through a fandom that was mostly, you know, mostly over at that point and yeah. like just read through like all of these fics and like I remember getting to this point where I was like all right now I'm reading these fics where I mean I started off from a Mulder Crycheck place and that's primarily where I stayed but um like I did read some other things and uh once that was sort of once I had gotten to the part where I was like oh oh gosh we're really getting into the weepy weepy Crycheck is like so so hard done and so misunderstood and everything is terrible and i was like okay i like i recognize that what i'm reading right now is objectively garbage like it's not good but i'm still reading it this this Mm -hmm. keeps happening um can't stop but yeah basically so yeah and, and like after that point i was like well okay like i've i've come here i've seen i've read a lot of stuff and now i'm probably done so it wasn't quite the same sort of, you know, halcyon days of like, oh my god, all these fic is like everywhere and like there's nobody really telling me which way to go. So um, it's definitely a different perspective than it is when you're sort of deep in the middle of it while it's happening. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And I mean, like, I've gone back in the last couple of years and read one or two things just because my memories of them are so stark. And... I won't say that they're bad, but they are mm-hmm. very indicative of a very different stage of fandom development in yeah. the sense that both stylistically for fandom, it, it feels very different than the type of stories that are written now. Mm-hmm. And as well as reading taste wise, they feel very different from what I right. like to read now. I mean, yeah. the biggest change is that when <clears throat> it sounds like you were fully in slash fandom for this, I was very much like Mulder Scully, ride or die. And I still oh, am right. like forever. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Hard. I am not. MSR. Oh gosh. Um, like, <laughs> the interesting thing about it and like just a little bit of fandom trivia, this is like where the phrase ship comes from. Like shippers is from early days. Like, like you want to talk ship wars? The ultimate ship war still in my mind is relationship versus no romos yeah like the people who are like no thank you to scully Mulder, (laughs) and people who are like yes the thirst is strong which is clearly the camp that i fell into um (laughs) so like the really interesting part for me is that of course i came to this from like already like had my toes in the water of like Mulder crycheck Mm -hmm. but when i started watching the show what i did not expect was that i was going to come to love scully above all other people because she's the greatest because she's the greatest And I was like, Scully, you deserve so much better than all of this bullshit. Like, oh, my God. Like, Um, all of these men are garbage. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I, weirdly enough, this is going to be a case where I was, I, you know, like, retroactively was definitely in the no Romo camp. Because I was like, I don't know, Scully. I I can't do it to you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, I know exactly what you mean. Well, actually, I... Sorry, go go ahead. Um, no, but like I was gonna say, like I had something similar because like when 
I was definitely an M- MSR, like big time Mulder Scully fan uh, the first time around. And probably with more of a crush on Mulder at that point, mm-hmm. uh, even though I loved Scully as well. But it was, you know, like if I, I, if I had written anything in there, it would have been a self-insert like Mary Sue with Mulder or something like that. Yeah, And accurate. then later on... Like, it's just, I can't take my eyes off Scully. She's so amazing. Like, Mother yeah. is just, like, the worst at everything. And Scully <laughs> is my queen. And it's, like, it's insane how, like, that definitely changed. And the other thing that's super funny is, like, at that time, Slash did not register at all. Like, that mm. wasn't even something. Like, I had no Slash goggles on, nothing to, like, Crycheck was just terrible and Skinner was just annoying and then you watch it now and you're just like all these slash tropes are there like all the cues are there and you're watching it going like oh my god of course no but I think it's I I think it's actually like a really useful exercise right because like when you go back and you're like oh I can totally see the slash here but it's just really interesting because now you have a single property that you know really well where you can see both sides of the mm-hmm. argument right like i can yeah. read it from being like a mainstream like quote head chipper and i can see it from like a slightly more sub you know subcultural mm-hmm. slash shipper yeah. and like i'm still not like Mulder crycheck i know that like that one-armed freak kissed him but like i was all about uh i was Too all about some <laughs> i was all about some uh Mulder Skinner business and I still am because that is like some hardcore daddy kink that like I am into but oh god can we talk for a second I mean not to cut off you and your daddy kink because like obviously we're going to talk more about that don't worry I'll bring it back up right I just want to I wanted to follow back to um seeing as that both of you were both MSR um people I want to talk about what the show actually did with Mulder and Scully's relationship, because I would find it like fascinating to sort of hear your take on like, how do you feel about what the show actually yeah. did with the two Oh of them? my god! Okay, well before we do that, like let's actually talk about the show a little bit. I'm gonna <laughs> oh. give I'm gonna give some generalized background on the series, and then Go we for can. It. And I think it's impossible to talk about the later seasons and mm-hmm. the myth arc without talking about the Mulder Scully relationship as well. So. Oh, true. Some setup for those godforsaken people who somehow have sat through like 20 minutes of this already um, without having that much context about it. The X-Files was a cultural phenomenon of a television show um, that started in the early 90s um, featuring Fox Mulder, who is a disgraced former FBI golden boy profiler who found all of these files that the uh, that the government had shoved into the basement and filed under X because they actually had the file space for it. These are all the cases that, like, no one wanted to look at, and he chased conspiracies and monsters and weirdness around the country. And his nickname was Spooky Mulder at the Bureau. Um, and from the very first pilot episode, you realize that there's something going on because there are these smoking syndicate-like men who dispatch young, fresh-faced, terribly intelligent Dana Scully, who is a medical doctor who decided to go to the FBI Academy instead of practicing, to more or less spy on him and to sort of rein him in. Instead, the two of them have an immediate chemical reaction off of each other. And she is very much all about science and proof. And he is a hot garbage train wreck of a human being who is very smart and like broodingly attractive, but like unquestionably 
so stupid hot train wreck of human being and like the two of them investigate these sort of like crazy alien conspiracies monsters of the week which is a different category and all of it sort of over the course of nine seasons that the show ran feet fed into the central conspiracy of the series now like i would say if you want to talk about the Mulder scholar relationship and where it went like i have always believed that the show should have ended with the movie because I love season six and like there's maybe like one or two episodes in season seven that I can like tolerate. But like honestly, like I feel like if nothing like setting aside all the other emotional like hot garbage that's about to come down the pike starting in season seven. I feel like the myth arc peaked at five and then the rest of it just felt like yeah. Chris Carter and everyone in that writer's room desperately trying to make stuff up mm-hmm. to extend it. Yeah, definitely. Like, there's some really good episodes in season six and seven, but they're mostly the standalone ones. Yeah, exactly. Like, at that point, there's still some really strong episodes, but the myth arc gets super jumbled. Like, it, it's just like, uh, people come back to life, and it, it, it's like, it's not aliens anymore. It's a lie upon a lie upon another syndicate. Of, and it's just like, oh, God. Like, yeah, basically. It's- and then after season seven, we'll just not talk about that. Yeah, it just I was going to say, I don't so think contorted. I even, I don't even think I watched most of season seven. I think I just was like, nope, I'm going to peace out of this. Like, just yeah. going to not. Yeah. But my poor roommate, my poor roommate whom I dragged into it, she watched it to the bitter, bitter end. And I was like, I feel like I've done you wrong on so many levels. You like, really have, Hoi. Yeah. <laughs> you really have. That's mean. I'm the worst. You, how could you do this to her? Um, it, I, it's just like it, it's one of those really odd things because I this is like this show was also my first experience of like critically watching television where mm-hmm. I could watch it and love it unreservedly but at the same time know that what I was watching was like not good like mm-hmm. this is not this doesn't make sense like I don't understand why you're doing it and like I feel like we were so fortunate in the first like five seasons of the show that you got like a really wonderfully written, like really smart, like so progressive and interesting and like Mm -hmm. pushing the envelope series. And then it peaked out at around the end of season five. They did the movie. And then when you came back for season six, even though they had like much more money, huge budgets, it was like really that they'd sputtered out on the conspiracy. Like either they had never known what it was to begin with, or they had an idea and it was so much less complicated than could be serviced by like nine seasons of plot. Yeah. 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 It's just. It's. That always happens though, is when you start putting too many answers forward yeah. as well. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's good if you've got the mystery, you don't know what exactly is the truth. It could be this, it could be that. It's interesting. And then they started answering too many things. And I mean, it's the pitfalls mm-hmm. of so many other series as well. It's like, what's your central mystery? And once that's done, or do you have anything else to say? Uh, right. And most series don't. And the X-Files had really strong one-offs as well, which made it possible to still enjoy the show but like mm-hmm. if i if it had been something like i don't know because i i i noped out of lost after one season but like <laughs> you know like those kinds of show where the, the 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 mystery is like all consuming like the whole series basically like 
if 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 you're not able to sustain that, then just like your show falls apart mm-hmm. completely. Like X Files did that as well. It just took a little longer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think isn't am I right in thinking that X Files is actually the origin of the phrase "Monster of the Week"? I think so. So I think it because might that, be, I mean, yeah. I find that some of the Monster of the Week episodes of X Files are so strong and yeah. so terrifying. Like yeah. as interesting as like the myth arc was. I really would find myself, especially in season six, being like, just give me, just give me some solid monster of the week. I just, I, I need that right now. I need you to do that for me. And yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. like the myth arc just felt so bloated and just so stretched out that it was just not really enjoyable. Well, I think when you, when you watch it for this, like, I wouldn't actually recommend somebody go through the X-Files and only watch the myth arc. No. Because, like, you'll see these wrecks of, like, okay, these are the important X-Files episodes. If you do that, you don't know who these characters are. You're no. missing all of the small moments and the humor. You're missing mm-hmm. all of the... what makes the show the show, right? And and you only get all the the super serious... And not only super serious, but also the this, this stuff that really doesn't make sense half the time. You know, like they're going one direction. Oh, it's clones. No, it's aliens. No, it's this thing. No, it's like Mulder's sister is abducted, was abducted or she was killed or she was this. You know, like if you only watch these episodes, you're just going to get this melting pot of conflicting conspiracies. Um, but if you space it out with all of the like the ongoing relationship and the actual like day-to-day life of the x-files um you care about it so much more i agree absolutely i think the other thing that i've recently noticed as i've been going back and like intermittently rewatching old episodes is that i can like even tell from my netflix queue because it shows you which ones you've watched right mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. that like i will go through a season and like cheerfully watch all of the Monster of the Week episodes and some of the Myth Arc episodes. And I realized what the problem is. The Myth Arc from the beginning of the series has always been so much about Mulder. It's always been like, it started off with the premise. The reason he gets into the X-Files is because as a boy, his sister was kidnapped. And once he became an FBI agent, he underwent deep hypnosis regression and now has this memory of her being abducted by aliens. So that's like the driving passion of his, like survivor's guilt, curiosity, need to know, who knows? Like he wants to find out what happened to his sister, Samantha. And so like when Mm -hmm. you go into the myth arc, so much of it is about Mulder and so much of it is about like the most classic examples of like tortured male protagonist Mm -hmm, where like mm -hmm. he is like trapped within a conspiracy inside of a conspiracy and like nobody understands me Scully like I have to do this I'm the only one and like (laughs) going rogue is the only appropriate answer like I'm gonna fucking hang out in this parking lot with a dude named Deep Throat like no one's even gonna get bones like this is the sort (laughs) of I'm gonna fake my death again yeah exactly like I'm gonna get trapped in a fucking like a train car with a bunch of like possibly dead alien human hybrid like there are a lot of elements of it that are interesting but like whenever you get into a classic myth arc spin it's Mm -hmm. always like this is exactly what happens every time Mulder finds something out from somebody he probably shouldn't be trusting he doesn't (laughs) tell Scully about the whole thing he drops his gun he gets his ass in trouble (laughs) Scully has to go save him and like it's fine she's good at saving him but like there's only so many times you can be interested in that 
And, like, the actual myth arc episodes that are interesting to me are the ones that are pertinent to Scully's journey. Where, yeah, like, her cancer. Absolutely. The, the her cancer, cancer her amazing. abduction. Like, yeah. the episode where she met all those other, like, abductee survivors and the cancer survivor. Like, wretched. Yeah. Like, just yeah. thinking about it makes me cry. Like, her story is so much more intimate and so much more emo- Like, you actually understand why someone would be driven to the degree that they are to figure this out with her story. Because, mm-hmm. like... Honest to God, like Mulder's whole thing is just like you, dude, like get a life. Like this is insane. Like nothing that you are chasing makes sense and none of your actions make sense. But Scully's feels like real. Yeah. And they also have really different family dynamics too. Like Mulder basically like he's looking for his sister. His dad's dead. His mother is weird. Yes. Uh, Whereas you have Scully that's, has like a loving mother uh her relationship with her dad is also super interesting and and makes for some really great episodes at the beginning too with uh what's beyond the sea yes one of the best yeah Yeah. and uh and we have so many episodes of her with her family and and it's so refreshing it's so it, it does bring something completely different to the table um and and like it's 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 really great that it, it's a through line to its characters that you see throughout the seasons and uh, like Scully's mom is just amazing. I love her so much. I, I think all of their scenes together are heartbreaking and so beautiful. And you don't get that with Mulder. You don't get emotional support apart from Scully. You yeah, know, like from Mulder. He's he's a lone read. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other thing that struck me about the difference between the myth arc and the Monster of the Week episodes is that um, that it seems to me that a lot of, for me, the charm of the X-Files comes from the Monster of the Week episodes because it's there that you get these real hints of humor um, and sort of like just weird delight at like yeah. the strangeness they're encountering. Um because I really had this idea for a long time that the X-Files was just, like, all scary, like, all the time. I mean, see my, like, whatever, teenage, like, trauma with this whole thing. Um, <laughs> but I was really surprised when I started watching it. I was like, this is really funny in parts. Like, yeah. I, like, Scully's dry wit is just, like, so important to me. And um, the times, too, in Mulder, you're just like, Mulder, you are just a hot mess but you're kind of a hilarious hot mess, and so I guess funny. I'm into that. I no. mean, I think part of the, fa- the, like, the fact that the show is so dry and, like, the fact that you know these characters so well helps it so that, like, when you do get to these, like, the humorous episodes or, like, even, like, a quick turn of phrase, they feel yeah. funnier. Yeah. They feel more engaging. Like, whenever someone is like, why do you like the X-Files so much? Well, it's like, aside from the fact that, like, David Duchovny and Walter Skinner were two of my, like, very strong, like, girl, you're a woman now moments. Like, (laughs) in terms of, like, I am into that. And then, like, also Dana Scully was responsible for me thinking from the ages of 12 to 13 that I was a lesbian. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean. Hardcore thinking that I was a lesbian. Um, I mean, who can blame me? No one can blame me. No no Um, one. But, like, aside from that, like, the show is really funny. It's really smart. And um, I just remember episodes like Humbug, like, where they went to go, the Circus Freak show. Like, so hilarious, so dark, 
so funny, so twisted. And then, like, mm-hmm. the funniest episodes of the series that were ever written, including, like, um, Bad Blood with the sheriffs mm-hmm. and the yes. vampires, um, which is, like, almost like a Rashomon episode. And yeah. <laughs> It's so oh beautiful. God, just thinking it's about it. It's so beautiful. It's so good for me. And then Small Potatoes, which is mm-hmm. like like slightly more problematic now, like in retrospect, but like still a deeply hilarious episode that like is fearless at making fun of the show's male lead. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think when it's that's that's the point where you know the characters so well, you know the structure of the show so well that you can turn it on its head and it's just it's it's beautiful to watch it's and i mean we owe most of that to well not entirely but like in parts to darren morgan as well in terms of the writers yes. i think like he he wrote humbug josie chunks from outer space which is just the best ever yeah i think anytime uh, darren morgan and glenn wong work together you like knew it was going to be like totally absurdist delight yeah and um uh, what's the other um Clyde Buckman's Final Repose, oh, which is like oh. the, the, the most amazing mix of heart-wrenching and so funny. Yeah. It's just, from beginning to end, that, that episode is just a gift. That it's... is like an amazing laugh-cry episode. Yeah. 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 And I... like the, the writers from the show and a lot of the showrunners went on to do like some really excellent things. Like, like mm-hmm. I think that like the X Files when like it dispersed its like writing and producing talent and directing talent was just like a gift to a lot of other genre television and yeah. so yeah we I have mean, the, the most... we have the X Files to thank for that yeah and the most famous of that is probably going to be um, Vince Gilligan yeah who wrote a number of really phenomenal episodes of the X Files and then went on to do Breaking Bad mm-hmm. right. And a lot of the sensibility, I think, of a lot of modern television in general is rooted in the history of the X-Files. Like, people didn't, people used to do episodic television, you know? Like, this is a show wrapped up in a procedural um, package where it's like an FBI technically crime-solving show. But, like, this is also a show that completely bucked every convention, even many conventions that currently exist, right? So, like, it has a myth arc that spanned nine seasons. Like, whether or not it did that successfully the whole time, that's ambitious. Mm -hmm. It had an extremely attractive male and female lead who had blistering sexual chemistry, and they never, ever went for it. On the show, like, whether or not to its detriment or to its benefit, like, we can argue about that now. But, Mm -hmm. like, there are so many things that this show did that, like, I don't know that anybody else could have gotten away with. And they were just right there at the right time to start the dialogue about it. Yeah. And they also have, like, I mean, I didn't, I didn't pick up on it at the beginning also because of the English thing. But, like, nobody talks like the X-Files, like, the dialogues, the monologues, and the voiceovers, because there was a lot of them, Yes. on the X-Files, it's just nobody talks like that. They keep, they basically, first of all, they write their police reports, like like their, their, their file reports, which are quite often, uh, you know, uh, put as voiceover in, uh, in the so, beginning. Or, so beautifully or the poetic. End. They're so beautifully <laughs> poetic. They're like quoting crazy stuff. They're so lyrical you're just like nobody writes like 
a police report or any kind of like incident report that way. Like it, it goes into philosophical discussions. It's super flowery language. Well, the show and was unashamedly smart. You know, yes. like you had to be really smart to get everything on the show. Yeah. And I think that like I loved that as a kid, you know, like. But it's also stylistic because like they yeah. talk to each other that way. Like they have giant bits of dialogue where they they just they're ex they're basically doing exposés to each other you yeah. know like with therefores and thus and blah 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 mm -hmm. it's just like no like nobody talks like that like on a regular basis it's Do just you know that... but that's a part of yeah. i think for me that's a part of the beauty of the show is just it like, is that but it's is ambitious what... to yeah. it's very ambitious and uh like stylistically that it had distinct style the fact that it was actually such a joy to listen to just the the language that they used yeah um i think it's like a huge part of why like it like i still like like devoured the show so quickly and that you know that i still love it is because of that smartness and that attention to language that was so important yeah yeah definitely okay so we started off this discursive discussion regarding um we wanted to give some background before we got into the Mulder scully relationship so let's talk about the Mulder scully relationship as we've discussed a little bit, they have incredible, incredible, unresolved sexual tension. There are so many little buzz phrases that come from this fandom. Ust is yeah. one of them. Yeah. Yep. Because the show was all about the Ust. And now my position on this was was Thuz. I always 100% without question believed that they loved each other. Not in a platonic sense, in a romantic sense. Mm -hmm. But I also never wanted it to happen on the show. I, like, yeah. believed firmly that, like, the minute that they engaged in a romantic relationship on the show, it would lose its magic. Or that, yeah. like, it would be too much, right? Like, we would see too much of it. Like, the show is already so emotionally exposing for them. Like, I don't... I didn't want it to be on the show. And in part, like, it goes to my whole, like, current philosophy of, like, the author is dead in many ways. Like, I don't necessarily need to know Chris Carter's interpretation of their relationship because I already yeah. know what, like, in my head I would want it to be. And I have read, like, millions of good fanfics interpreting what I want it to be. I don't necessarily need the show to, like, put one down in stone and disqualify all the other ones. Yes. So yeah, no, that definitely. was that was the way I looked at it. What about you? That's Zanikis? the way I look at it now. Okay, when I was fifteen. It was a different story. <laughs> <laughs> Did not have the wisdom to think about it in those terms. I definitely wanted them to bone. Um, <laughs> like seriously, and looking back at it, like I went through emails that I had with my friends, and we were like. There's this bit where there, um, there's Agent Foley, right? Who's Fuck Mulder's that. ex, and she's a believer, and she's... Fuck that lady. Oh, my God. <laughs> the hate. Diana the hate. Foley, no! <laughs> like, I wanted to kill her. It was terrible. It was so visceral and petty and terrible. And, I mean, looking back at it now, I see, you know, like, all the ship wars or things happening on Tumblr or whatever now. I'm just like, okay, I can I can see where you're coming from because I was this crazy when I was 14, 15 yeah. as well. <laughs> um, but, like, with with a little bit of uh, distance and definitely rewatching it now, uh, the, the relationship on screen is so special. Yeah. And the trust and the the affection between them mm -hmm. and the trust between them is so interesting and 
And yeah, I think if they would kiss or make, you know, like have sex on 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 the show itself, it would absolutely ruin it. Like it, there's something so unique about their relationship. Yeah. That uh, yeah, you you don't you want you don't want to miss with it. And like we talked about this, proof, but like for the for the new show, uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they go about it because they kind of. They well, did end not... up together. Yes, they so. did at the end of the second movie, which we'll, like, yeah. we'll talk about the movies next. But yeah. um, let's go ahead and say that there, were, like, this episode is non-spoilery for the future miniseries. Yeah. Like, yeah. we do have a bit coming up um, where we talk to someone who has already seen the first episode, but she describes it in very general terms and we will warn you before it starts. So, like, yeah. there has been one major piece of plot spoiler for the new episodes out Sorry. because of Chris Carter himself, but we will not discuss it in explicit detail here. Um, but I agree with you. I think it's going to be really interesting to see where they find themselves, like, 13 euros mm-hmm. down the line. Yeah. Because, like, for me, watching it, like, after the show ended, one of the attractions for me about the relationship was just the stark emotional intimacy of the relationship that mm-hmm. I loved so much that I that was I think unlike a lot of things I had seen on TV like it just like that kind of I mean yes there's the unresolved sexual tension which is just like phenomenal but I have this clear memory of an episode that I think is maybe in season six I can't really remember but I think it was directed by uh, Jillian Anderson and I think in that episode they might sort of is this make... is this the one where she finds a temple and has like an uh... out of body experience and then she falls asleep at his house and there's a fish tank shot. yes this yes. is the yes. Moby album this is the yes, episode in the season Moby. 6 called yeah. All Things You're Correct yes. written and directed by Jillian Anderson yes I am a nerd <laughs> okay no, no, I... I was really I was really confused I was like did they bone like I don't understand what's happening so I, I was really confused have, I about like so oblique and I feel like in the years since Jillian Anderson has said that she meant for them to have boned but like I don't know if that was the first time do you know what I mean yeah, yeah. I don't know either <sighs> I'm perpetually confused I... about like what happened in the relationship so when did yeah. P touch V in that relationship yeah so basically I. so am yeah I. but there's a thing too where I think they it, it's it's good that they left it Ambiguous, like a little bit yeah. angu- ambiguous because it's true that technically I don't know that it would change much whether yeah, or not agree. they were boning in the background. Like, in a sense, the, what they show us in the show is still this very special relationship. And you're almost like, I think it's clever to not answer that question, but also to decide not to show it to you so that the 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 center of the relationship is still like it's not sexual that's that's not the bit that's important to the show like yeah i would agree i also you know what this reminds me like when i was doing a recent rewatch i think that what really struck me about the show is the way that it depicts the relationship between Mulder and Scully and more broadly, like the relationship between men and women Mm -hmm. in a Mm -hmm. way that is still very singular and unique. Like there are very few shows on television that depict like a male and female lead the way that Mulder and Scully do. Like, so when you like get a brief overview of the show, you get all these like sort of character ticks that seem like they're implying certain things. Like Mulder watches porn and like, like very openly, like he's sort of like a weird porn addict. Um, 
and mm-hmm. he also like hits on Scully like randomly. He'll just like say like sexually provoking things all the time on the show. And you would think that with that there's like a level of sleaze and there's nothing ever like that. Like there's never a moment where the show undercuts the amount that Mulder believes that Scully is like smart and capable mm-hmm. and like his one in five billion. You know, like yeah. it's really interesting because the the level of respect that they have between them, I think, is still because it's so specific, it still feels so unique in the landscape of television relationships. Yeah. I like too that they invert a lot of gender stereotypes. So many um, in <laughs> so many. Like, not joking about Mulder constantly dropping his gun and needing to be saved by Scully. Like that is every episode, basically. Like just constantly. He's just like, he's just like, oh my god, he's like constantly getting his ass kicked in like the most embarrassing way. He, yeah. He's just embarrassing all around, seriously. He's, he's and not what good was at being it? alive. Like, uh, <laughs> a while ago I was re-watching Tombs. Is Tombs the second episode with Tombs or is it Squeeze? No, Squeeze is the first one, Tombs is okay, the second one. Okay, so Tombs one. is the yeah. second so at the beginning of Tombs, Tombs is being released from prison or si- like the hospital he's in. Oh my god! Is and this Mulder, Mulder at the parole and Mulder comes <laughs> in at the hearing with like a slide presentation, trying to explain how this guy is like a hundred and something years old and eats like people for to, to for a liver eating monster. And- <laughs> super serious you see him with the slides of whatever and you've got scully in the background going like what are you doing like she's doing the (laughs) mental equivalent of like that slide down into her seat like oh god he's not with me don't (laughs) (laughs) and then they have like they have a conversation in the corridor afterwards and scully's trying to kind of like very diplomatically tell him that he probably didn't help his case just now. So strange that people aren't going to believe this about Eugene Toomes. I mean, like, everything about that episode is, like, classic Mulder, you're, like, high garbage. Like, later when he's, like, unofficially stalking the guy, like, and he's, like, eating smelly food and, like, sunflower seeds alone in his car like a hobo. (laughs) And And everything about it is just... He's such a tra- – like, and of the two of them, right? Like, so classically, when you look at the gender archetypes on television, you have, like, men who are, like, can-do, like, focused on the task, whatever, and, like, good at firearms, blah, 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 blah. And then you have women who are, like, more emotional, like, more sensitive, like, fly off the handle and, like, need to be rescued. In this show, like, not with any, like, heavy underlining or, like, capital strong female character behavior, like, you just have it underlined on an episode-by-episode basis that Mulder is, like, an emotionally deranged, fragile teacup with, like, so many feelings he can barely keep his shit together on a (laughs) daily basis, and, like, is a disaster, like, drops his service weapon almost every single time he pulls it out. And, like, yep. is constantly in need of rescue. Like, the Mulder dropping his weapon thing is so pervasive. It's basically a meme. Like, does Mulder have a gun? He's about to drop it. And Scully <laughs> is about to have to come shoot some guy who's, like, beating him to death. Um, and, like, his feelings are just the worst. Like, he has so many feelings. And he's always flying off the handle at all of them. Like, it's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. And, and on the other end, you have Scully who, let's face it, like, there's also... 
I mean, Julianne Anderson is is amazing at selling it, but like on the page, Dana Scully is like 24 or whatever. Yeah. She's a medical doctor slash scientist who's she should be thesis, a Mary Sue, <laughs> whose thesis was on Einstein and yeah. something about like you're just like no, none of these things are the same. Like you haven't, you can't <laughs> study all of that at once. You can't. Well, also, like, she's, like, supposed to be beautiful. Like, so, basically, like, she is every, like, the worst Mary Sue. She's, yes. like, a beautiful, like, too young for all of her academic and professional <laughs> credentials. Like, she's been specially selected by the FBI to mm-hmm. monitor this handsome, brooding man in the basement. And they have a special <laughs> relationship almost immediately. And, like, just saying that, I, like, hate this person. Like, I want to, like, hit this person in the face and write, like, an essay about how, like, we can't pigeonhole women into, like, shitty stereotypes of, like, you have to be sui generis in order to be loved. Blah. But I yeah. love her. She's and so great. She's amazing. And yet she's amazing. She's so human. She's like so wonderfully, wonderfully like strong and human. And I love her. She is yeah. great. There's this great interview with Gillian Anderson that she did for the Nerdist uh, not long ago. And, um, she was talking about like the first seasons and what like she was a baby as as an actress she was so young and she had to do these these giant like monologues scientific monologues (laughs) but also she had to do like these like she had to direct grown men on set like she would order people around and yell at law enforcement etc etc you've got like this 24 year old actress like who's not even fired but something and like it must have been terrifying it was it must have been really insane and she sells it so well and she's such a she the, the character like the material of the character is so unique like um it's it's hard to it, like it's hard to believe that that character was actually you know made made into made it into tv yeah, that we got to spend nine seasons with her. Like, yeah. I do feel genuinely privileged that we got to have Dana Scully because I feel like, in a way, like, Scully is the... Fe- like, people talk a lot about, like, female role models on television, but, like, she was it for me in terms of female role models where mm-hmm. it, it's just, like, there was nothing so specific about her that I needed her to be like me, but there was so much about her that I wanted to be like her. Like, where yeah. she was unashamed of how smart she was. She went toe-to-toe with, like... Mulder every single day and that she was able to be smart and kind and also to have like the the heart of the X-Files like she very much is the heart of the X-Files even though she's also the head which I don't know what Mulder is then like he's just there I don't, I don't he's know. set dressing I mean for for me like Dana Scully like um it, it's sort of interesting for me because I grew up Catholic so I like her whole struggle with her faith like, mm. I found sort of, like, an interesting reflection at a time where I had sort of decided, like, this is not working for me. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. sort of, like, watching her, like, wrestle with these questions was, like, really interesting. But also, on a completely uh, superficial note, uh, basically, for a large part of the last decade, I have always aimed for, like, roughly, I'm going to say, season five Scully hair. Ooh, like that's a good just, haircut. Like, it's just so good. Mm, I'm like, I just, yeah. It's I'm growing up my look. hair now, but like, there's a good chance I'm going to chop it off again in the near future. Just have curly hair again. 
It's a good look. I mean, like, to a degree that is actually, like, somewhat worrying. Like, the show has really directed my aesthetics. Like, <laughs> to the point where I'm, like, I'm, like, really into, like, hot trash older men who are just, like, emotional disasters. And I can, like, trace that all the way back mm-hmm. to Fox William Mulder. And I, like, well, wish I couldn't, but I can't. Now I'm picturing you in power suits and, like, pastel pantsuits thing that's not like i don't do pastel pantsuits but it's like the power suit thing isn't as far off as you would think it's really not (laughs) it's it's my office before yep (laughs) so yeah um okay so i think that that's a pretty good place for us to do some uh listener questions Mm-hmm. which will hopefully spiral us into some fun directions. So the first one, <laughs> I really enjoy this question for a lot of reasons. If Mulder had never met Scully, which fast food chain dumpster do you think he would most likely choose to get food from? <laughs> Follow-up question, <laughs> would Mulder win in a fight against the birds that he would have to steal sunflower seeds from out of <laughs> their feeder? <laughs> no. The, second, the answer to the second one is No. <laughs> He would just—he would be dead of exposure in a forest right now, basically. (laughs) I mean, the show is really explicit about it. Where, like, at one point, I cannot remember the episode, unfortunately, but Mulder calls Scully his human credentials, and like, yeah, yeah, that's legit. Wow, she is like his passport to like, yes, I am a human functioning person being. And if he didn't have her, I, I really like, think those birds would kick his ass because he would drop his gun. I feel like he'd be dead from, like, botulism, from, like, yes. eating old Chinese food in his apartment. Like, oh, my God. Uh, no. No. Oh, it's so true. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Also, like, the whole the whole thing with his apartment, like, how many seasons did it take until we saw that he actually had a bedroom? Oh um, my god! It was season six. It was season six because he had a water a water bed, and you're just like, how did that happen? Well, it's because he got explained. body swapped in Area 51, <laughs> and someone else bought it. That's why he has a water bed. Like he doesn't even like the best part about that, right? Like I say that sentence, and we're all laughing hysterically. Like I'm not making that up. That was actual plot. <laughs> He got body swapped and so those water. Oh gosh. You know, there were some, some quality episodes. Um, okay, so another question, for, also from Anonymous. <laughs> My best friend and I, this one's interesting. My best friend and I both watched The X Files as preteens and teenagers and were diehard shippers and had giant crushes on Mulder and David Duchovny. Rewatching the series in our late 20s, early 30s, Mulder now seems like such a big, immature jerk who is totally undeserving of the awesomeness that is Dana Scully. Agree? Disagree? Thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, agree. 100%. See, I completely agree, and yet I still want them together because I think Mm -hmm. she wants them together. Can we also talk about the uh, David Duchovny Why Don't You Love Me song? (laughs) Holy shitballs. Bree Sharp, man. Bree Sharp. That was so great. It's that was so great. It's so the true. video. The video to that is also a choice. Like that's just a whole bunch of 
Oh, man. That's still Wilbur. somewhere yeah. on YouTube. It is on YouTube. We'll, we'll, we'll link it on the show page because if you haven't seen it, you need to. Essentially, like, the context for this is Bree Sharp was, like, a flash-in-the-pan, like, musician in the 90s at the peak of the X-Files popularity. And she literally wrote a song called David Duchovny, Why Won't You Love Me? And it wouldn't have gone anywhere other than being like a total novelty song, except that the show producers and everyone found out about it, thought it was fucking hilarious, as I would, (laughs) and decided to make their own little music video to it. And they got the entire cast and crew to participate. So like, it's pretty phenomenal. Like all all the copies of it are like terrible quality because obviously it's like a VHS dub. But um, it's pretty great. No, but, like, back to this, like, Mulder, big, immature jerk thing. Like, I definitely found him to be much more, like, Byronic and, like, Heathcliffian romantic as a teenager. Like, I was like, oh, my God, like, nobody understands him. Like, he's so great. Why won't Scully, like, get with the program? Like, even though I love her, I was like, why won't she, like, get with this program? Like, he has so much, like, tortured internal pain. And, like, from an older perspective, you do look back on it and you're like, that boy is there's something wrong with that kid and like he is so he has such tunnel vision that like his behavior is like selfish verging on self-destructive a lot of times and it it does really change the perspective of him as a character but for me at least it didn't change the perspective on her affection for him because that has no. always been constant whether or not right. it should be is like a whole different argument like but, but it's there I'm, like it's definitely yeah there. yeah i'm wondering if it's a question of age too i mean because if we all watched it as teenagers or very young adults like there's also just the the wow factor i guess of david yeah. the company at that time that kind so of fades strong. away and then so yeah. strong but Even like i'm wondering like away. Well, yes. In comparison to Scully, yes. Yes, a fair. But like, I'm wondering, Hoyden, like, if you quiz your mom about <laughs> when she was watching the X Files, about like, yeah, did she hate Mulder? I don't think so. I'll have to ask her. I mean, I've been like keeping her updated on like the new series started. Yeah. And, like when I first like texted her this, like back in July or whatever, she was like, just like. First of all, completely did not believe me. Second of all, <laughs> was like, but I don't understand. Like, are they like, is like David Duchovny and Jillian Anderson going to be in it? Is going to be like Skulder and like Skulder, um, Mulder and Scully. <laughs> um, and so I don't know. I could ask her. It might be a traumatizing conversation, but I could ask her. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll no, be No, but fun. it's, it, I, I'm wondering like, because as, as I grew older, like I identified with Scully a lot more, mm-hmm. and I I wonder, like as a first as a first viewing, if you see it when you're older, whether you would latch on to Scully, especially since she was so unique in terms of like the TV landscape of the time. Like, yeah, that's that's very true. I mean, listeners, let us know how you yeah. felt. Like, if you were older when you first started watching the series, so you weren't like dealing with teenage brain the way that we were. Um, what did you think of him? Like, did that relationship make sense? Has it changed in the ensuing years? Um, I think that's like a really interesting question yeah. to pose. Yeah. I mean, I did see it older than I think both of you. And, um, I would say that I definitely still felt very invested in their, their emotional relationship. But, um, I think that didn't stop me from recognizing them just like, Mulder, you're being completely ridiculous. Like, completely. (laughs) Good, good. Um, Mm -hmm. Last question that came in from Tumblr. 
was from Silver Green Eye, who asked, I mean, this is a very important question. I seem to remember something about naked, tortured Mulder on screen. Is this wishful thinking canon or Fick remembers canon? <laughs> I cannot remember this. Naked I don't, torture I, on screen. Let me see. <laughs> I can remember him being... <sighs> Strapped to a table with, like... A, a wire mesh, and then he gets the black. Yeah, the oil. black oil. I remember He's the black chested. oil. Yeah, and I remember mm. like, isn't there something where he like gets pulled out of goo, and then she? Mm. Maybe that's also black oil related. Mm. But like, but there's I... also this speedo thing with Crycheck. There's... Yes. No, yes. that's we... yes, yes. There's the yeah. speedo thing, thing with Crycheck. He's not being tortured at the time, but there. No, is... sorry. Zana Kiss was being tortured at the time. <laughs> <laughs> we were. We were being tortured at the time. No, I honestly, like, don't... I guess, like, maybe I just don't connect, like, the times that we saw Mulder, like, naked or shirtless or, like, sort of in extremis with, like, torture. I feel like there... He wasn't necessarily tortured. He was, like... Like, the black oil thing. Like, they were... Mm -hmm. They were experimenting on him. But I don't necessarily... I don't know. Maybe, like, my brain just does not make that connection. But, like, the black oil thing is one of the only times I can really think of that would sort of cross that metric. They kind of kept yeah. the physical torture to 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 Krychek. I think he was the go-to torture person. Yes. He was. <laughs> well, you know, rap boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he gets hit so many times. He gets abused so many times. He takes it so well though. I mean, this is he a good sure this is a good time for us to kind of talk about the side characters because we've talked a lot about Mulder and Scully, but mm-hmm. the X-Files also has like an incredibly rich pantheon of secondary players, the most important of which is assistant director of the FBI, Walter Skinner. Oh, yes. Holy <laughs> fucking shit. Okay, this is where just like it's not a spoiler so much as like actors aging but i love the fact that from the previews or even just like the photo shoots or whatever jillian anderson is as beautiful as ever um mitch peleggi i think has gotten even more attractive he looks so fucking good he looks so good he looks so good it's amazing and then david the company is just slowly oh my god like and he it, it's just like it he looks like heart. he's lived rough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he looks like real, he, real rough. He looks like he lived bad, um, yeah. and that it's like caught up to him. But like but <laughs> Mitch Pelegi is just oh my god, aging like a fine wine. Holy shit! Yeah. Like when you first meet him on the series, he looks like sort of like a bureaucrat, like ugly glasses, like button up shirt, whatever. Like I was already into that because he was yelling at them and I'm into people who do that. (laughs) But like, he just like kept getting better. And like, what was like someone else like has coined the phrase, like, I'm not getting older. I'm just getting daddy as fuck. And like fucking Mitch Pelegi lives that life. He is about that life. Like he gets more ripped and hot and stern every year and like this is gonna be real bad for me i can tell all like i feel like if anything like you are in the most danger of slipping into rereading a lot of the like Mulder, like skitter bdsm everything 100 percent. and like that's basically mm-hmm. every one of the fucking stories because there's like the entire subtext of that relationship is like somebody's about to get a spanking like there's nothing else behind Oh god! <laughs> I'm really happy they're bringing him back. Me too. It's just yes. 
do we think Crycheck is coming back or do we know? Well, no. didn't what's his face Nicholas Lee like actually punch Chris Carter in the face? Oh, oh, did he? At the like in the last season of X Files, I swear I read this that like he had some sort of argument. He punched Chris Carter in the face. Chris Carter killed right Crycheck. Oh well, he was, and then Chris Carter killed. Wow. Yeah, he came back, like, didn't he come he came back, back as like a ghost at the very, very I don't end. remember. Who knows? My point yeah. is, like, that's some sort of damn rumor that I read. So <sighs> I would be kind of surprised if that were true and then Crycheck came back. That seems dubious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chris Carter doesn't strike me as the kind of person who forgives <laughs> a lot. N- no, not not really. No. I yeah. can't seem to find anything about this, though. So either they've scrubbed the internet really well, mm-hmm. where it was just like a very yeah. tertiary like rumor. Could be. It could be. Okay. Shame. <laughs> I mean, I would love it if he came back, but that's like a lot of that is a that lot, would be too much for mythology. six episodes. Yeah, like, it is. If you want to do it, are we only getting six? Mm-hmm. Yeah. God damn it! We're getting six episodes, two mythology, four monster of the week. As we understand mm. it. I mean, that's like yeah. a lot to put in six. Plus, we are getting the cigarette smoking man, though. Mm-hmm. That's so true. it's going to be really interesting sort of figuring out, I mean, where they're going. How it all goes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now that we've gotten to this point, I think it might be a good time to kick into our special segment where our special guest, Shanine, who saw the first episode of the new run at New York Comic Con, dropped by to talk a little bit about her impressions in a non spoiler way. Hello there. This is Prue again, and now I am joined by our very special guest, Shanine. Hello. Hi. Thank you so much for coming on to this Total Banana Pancakes episode with me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, wait. So before we even started recording this, we spent like 15 minutes talking about like our many and sundry feelings about the X-Files because Shanine wisely is doing a complete rewatch, I think, of the whole series before the new episodes start. Yeah, I did actually, um, in 2013, when it was the 20th anniversary, um, I got really nostalgic and said, okay, I'm going to go and watch the entire show. So I watched the first five seasons in the movie and then got about halfway through season six and I had to start to stop and go do something else. Um, but I really wanted to rewatch the end of the series before I saw the new stuff because I honestly don't really remember much of those because I think I've seen them (laughs) once and some of them I kind of just grudge watched so I know exact I know exactly what you mean it's just it's one of those it's one of those situations where like I know that I've seen every episode of seasons eight and nine Mm -hmm. but I honestly do not have the recall of them like I'm aware that like I committed those 24 hours per season but I don't think that I could remember any plot details other than the fact that I was like, I'd been on the stupid road with the X-Files for like seven years. I had to see it through to the end. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So part of the reason we have this special segment and we're so lucky that Shannon made time to talk to us is because she actually went to the New York Comic Con panel where she got to see um, the show and the cast talk and you have already seen the first episode of the new miniseries run. Yes. It so, was an experience. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, because, like, 
to because I know myself, I've already requested that she not give any spoilers instead of like me giving in to all of my terrible urges. So before we get to a non-spoiler discussion of the episode itself, were there any like highlights from the panel that were interesting? Because I feel like, um, like I feel like I knew this panel was happening, but I didn't catch that much of it. Um, yeah, it was. I mean, it was a pretty simple Q&A with Chris Carter and David Duchovny and Mitch Pileggi, and it was pretty adorable. Um, They kind of talked about the season that's coming up, and David looked like he'd actually had a chance to have more than two hours of sleep, unlike, I think, the entire rest of the previous two years before that. (laughs) Um, And so they kind of, there were a lot of audience questions, a lot of people that we're talking about how they watched the show when they were growing up and now they were able to share it with their kids. And so it was a lot of really nice stuff to hear from people. And there was discussion about how the new season is going to go. There's going to be six episodes. As probably most people know, they're going to do two myth arc episodes. The first and last are going to be myth arc. And then there's four episodes in the middle that are going to be standalones. One of which is written by Darren Morgan, right? Which I'm so excited about. Yeah. They did say that they got a lot of the, um, the original writers and directors that they could get to come back and work on these. I haven't actually looked to see, you know, who's doing what, because I don't, I don't like spoilers. And so I don't really want to know. I want to be surprised when I see the episode, but they did make a mention that um, there was a lot of stuff for fans of the original series, but that you could also, if you'd never seen the show, you could also watch it and still get a lot out of it. What a gift. I, this does remind me though, that X-Files, I think is the first show of any kind that I remember watching and knowing that there were certain things I could expect from certain writers. Mm-hmm. So it was it, when you say that you don't want to know who worked on the episode because it's a spoiler in and of itself. That's so fucking true. And it's really only true of a handful of television shows if you think about it. But like, I know that if this is a like Glenn Morgan episode, it's going to do a specific thing. If this is a Darren, if it's a Darren Morgan episode, it's going to do something else entirely or James Wong, you know, like there's certain people involved where I'm like, Oh, Chris Carter wrote this. This is going to be some like aliens on fire and a train car bullshit happening right now in my face. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's absolutely true. It's, I mean, just from rewatching it, it's it's always interesting to see like whose name is going to be coming up in the credits if it's one where I don't really remember what's going on, um, and then when you see you know when you see who the writer was, it's kind of it is very clear what you're going to be getting um, out <laughs> of the episode a lot of the time. So yeah, oh, I'm so great. glad. Was Skinner still super handsome? Uh, yes, perhaps Why? more super handsome. I mean, How certainly is that man <laughs> keep oh, looking no. better. It's I unbelievable. Know. I was watching the, um, they just posted, Hulu just posted and YouTube just posted this 22 minute sort of like behind the scenes of the upcoming new series. And I've watched it like four times now because I'm disgusting and a monster. Um, and I basically just keep watching it and just being like, how does Mitch Pelegi keep getting daddy as fuck in a progressively more affronting way every year? It, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, on the panel, too, he and David were just 
basically you could tell they had worked together for such a long time and they were still friends even after the amount of time it's been since they worked together last. And I was like, how did I not know that they were so adorable together? And like, why haven't I seen every interview that they've done? Because this is just too precious for words. I feel like, have you ever seen the infamous gag reel? I think so, but it's been so long that I don't really have a clear memory of it. Oh my goodness. So this is just like a specific mental snapshot in my head of um, a moment in the gag reel where basically this is like, here's the, here's gather around young Tumblr youth. You have no idea how fucking good you have it. Like in the old days, if you wanted to find a gag reel, you had to find someone who had the VHS of it. So like, there's probably a version of this floating around somewhere on YouTube by now, but it like would be such bad quality. And I have no idea if it is widely available, but there is a gag reel clip somewhere out there where Skinner busts into Mulder's office and they like are about to have a fight classic Skinner and Mulder style and instead Mitch Pelagi just like bends David Duchovny over the back of his desk like takes a handful of his chai and begins riding him against the table and I remember being like very young watching that being like yes this is formative I enjoy this right (laughs) that is amazing I know everyone go look for it and once you find it bring it to me leave it like a dead carcass of an animal on my front steps please like evil pervert cats bring that to me now um Okay, so enough about the panel. In as non-spoilery terms as possible, tell me what I should be anticipating when this show comes back to us on the 24th of January. Uh, Okay, so as non-spoilery as possible, I will say that the first episode is a myth arc episode. Um, It is aliens. Aliens, aliens, aliens. And um, they do... They... um, go for some of the old X-Files chestnuts about how, you know, something is revealed and this changes everything. Right. So that's, um, that's definitely a theme of this. Um, there's a nice um, juxtaposition between stuff that's happening in the modern time with Scully and Mulder and Skinner and some guest stars. And there's also some interesting flashbacks to um, the forties to, oh, wow. um, to Roswell. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Wow. (laughs) And there's a really nice um, opening that they did for just kind of an overview of here's what the show is about. Here is what's going on in the world currently and in the world of the show. And here's why the X-Files is still relevant. So they did this whole opening that um, I think is something that'll be really good for people who have never seen the show because it kind of gives you a snapshot of what you can expect um, as far as the background and you don't really have to have seen the show before to, to still like understand where they're coming from. Um, But obviously there's so much stuff going on that if you have watched the show, whether it was back in the day or if you've rewatched it recently, there's a lot going on that you'll go, oh, I recognize that, or oh, this is wonderful. Um, especially there's some scenes at the FBI um, that made everybody in the audience super happy. So, <laughs> oh, oh, 
I'm really excited. So this happens contemporaneous to us, right? Yes. Like, so this happens in 2015, 2016, yes. modern day. Okay. Yes. And it's clear that all of the stuff that has been shown on screen, whether it was TV or movies, that's all canon still. Apparently, the um, season 10 comics are not canon anymore, but oh, okay. both movies are canon still. Why is the second? Okay. I don't know. I'm kind of, I am committed to doing a rewatch of everything before the uh, You're so strong, show, but You're so I'm like, strong. I'm dreading, like, the set. I'm dreading the second movie. Do you know, I actually saw that movie in theaters, so right? So like, I. exchanged legal American tender for a film ticket, and, like, another human saw me buy a ticket to buy to like watch this movie and i think i went like it must have been like a saturday matinee feature this is like one of the only movies i've ever seen alone in my life because nobody else wanted to go i went with two friends and they like me were all very excited for another x-files movie i think there was maybe two other people in the theater <laughs> so it was i mean oh my god it was so empty and it was so bleak i just remember i think there was maybe one other person in my theater um and i remember so vividly sitting there alone mm -hmm. watching this in the dark and that scene where like the crazy guy is walking across the snow and it's like lit well so it's like the whole theater gets bright i was just like looked up at the screen at this like god-awful movie and then i looked around me at this like fucking empty theater and i was like as it should be <laughs> as it should be it's terrible fucking film okay fine i guess if they want to keep that canon they're allowed to yeah there may be like one or two okay moments sure <laughs> I mean, it had Gillian Anderson in it, so it can't be all bad. That is true. She was present, and therefore it was valuable for that reason. Yes. Oh, my God. So I guess, like, one of the things that I'm really curious about how they're going to handle is, I mean, like, what is the – this is, like, so hard because I have so many questions, but so many of them are, like, spoilery questions. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, a thing where I know that, like, I will feel better about myself if I just, like, go into it clean um, was there, like, d did this episode sort of deliver what you thought it would, or was it actually surprising the way that they decided to attack, like, this, not even a reboot, but this continuation after a long break? Um, that's hard to say, because I didn't really go into it with any specific, um, anything that I expected specifically. When gotcha. I had heard originally that they were going to be doing a reboot, after my knee-jerk reaction of, no, stop rebooting things, leave the past <laughs> in the past, I said, as long as Mulder and Scully are in it, I'm interested. Yeah. And, you know, they are. And it just, if it did feel to me a lot like some of the classic X-Files. A little... Um, a little more ridiculous than your like season two, season three myth arc episodes, because, okay. you know, as we know, things just keep compounding onto other things as we get through the seasons. <laughs> but, um, and so I have been watching other TV that, that's not set in a world where aliens are real. And so yeah. there were some times when Mulder would make a comment that was a leap where if you'd been watching the X-Files recent, recently, you'd be like, yeah, that's Mulder. He's, you know, making his, like, it's the government, it's aliens, whatever, leap of logic. Of and I was not used to that. And so I was just like, Mulder, you sound crazy. <laughs> like, like, what are you, what? But... But if you, if you, you know, if you know that, if you just remember that it's set in a world where, yes, 
it's actually aliens, then I think that I think that it works. So, but I mean, I don't, I'm glad I didn't have any real expectations going into it. I know there are going to be some things that are probably going to annoy people. And I'm hoping that those things that I will not spoil, um, Mm -hmm. get dealt with in episodes after the first one, because I would like to know what happened between the end of the second movie and the beginning of this to... Uh, precipitate those things yes to leave these characters in the places where they were as or where they are as to oppose to where they were yeah i think i know exactly what you're referring to i also will not explicitly spoil it despite the fact that chris carter is a fucking like d-bag and spoiled his own show for it although to be fair i feel like on some if you know what we're talking about then this is very clear if you don't know what we're talking about it's not very clear don't worry about it yeah but like i feel like he did it on some level as like a protective thing Mm -hmm. like if like if we had the new episodes and had just opened with like the characters like the characters being where they are in the new series i honestly think that he would have had like a mild bit of pandemonium on his hands mild that's funny. Yeah. Like I, I'm, <laughs> I'm just thinking about like the internet as it was back then, and how you know how passionate I'll say people got yeah. about things, and how the internet how it is now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, I, again, we can't even get into it much without like going to spoilers. But like, that's I'm with you. That's the thing that like. I have no preemptive thoughts about this show other than the fact that I'm really excited that this is happening. Um, So this is the one thing, like the one question that I'm kind of entering into watching the new episodes with. Um, The other thing that I remember when they just made the announcement that they were doing the reboot that I was really concerned about, I was like, I will punch every person in the face if this is like a reboot wherein like we're far future and it's their son who was, like, reopening the X-Files. I was like, I will kill everyone. Yeah. I will just say I have no idea what's going on with William because that was not addressed. But I think somebody asked about it at the panel, and I think Chris Carter gave a vague Chris Cartery answer that means that we may learn something. I love and hate that man in equal measure. Yeah, he gave a recent interview where he said a thing that I was just like, did, do you watch your show? Did you ever watch the episodes <laughs> leading up to now and you can make the statement that you made? Like, it's, I don't know. I also think it's going to be really interesting, honestly, in the context of seeing a show like this is like a granddaddy of fandom show right like Mm -hmm. this was one of the very first shows that had a fandom on the internet and had like an outspoken passionate fandom on the internet and even then the show creators were very insulated because there were not that many direct channels and they used to like wade into the message boards and things like that stuff that would never happen anymore Mm -hmm. and i'm very curious to see how it's gonna go this time with like a live one yeah especially since the two stars are on twitter and actually like talk to people on twitter i don't like i don't follow anybody else from the show but like they're they're seeing what people are saying so it's i think that's going to be really interesting it's really good for me i'm excited about this okay so the, the key question then is did you like it did you like the episode that you watched yes i did i was really nervous 
coming into it because I was afraid I was going to hate it. Mm -hmm. And I was afraid I was going to have to be like, it was okay, and kind of ignore people's questions about whether it was good or not. Oh, but God. I did like it. I was very interested in the story that they were telling. I can't wait to see the second part. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that they're not doing a six-episode miniseries that is just this one story because the story is very fast-paced and a lot of stuff happens in the episode. So I don't – I think that's deliberate because I think that they – um, if they had decided to do just this one story over six episodes, they would have, you know, slowed down the pace. But I yeah. think it also would have been, I like, I'm the kind of fan that likes both the Myth Arc episodes and the Monster of the Week episodes, because I love those Monster of the Week episodes where you get like some backstory about Mulder or you get something yes. about Scully and you get Absolutely. stuff about their relationship. And so I really like those and I'm very glad they're going to be doing that. Um, but and so sometimes I think they can get a little carried away with the myth arc. But I think that this was interesting enough to make me want to say, OK, where's the next part? As soon as the episode was over um, and there's enough going on that I didn't feel bored, but I also didn't feel like they didn't know where they were going, if that makes sense. I think that they have um, a story that they want to tell and it'll be interesting to see how the pieces in between the standalones fit into that overarching story so oh my god i'm so excited my thirst has been like absolutely reawakened by this conversation yes. i'm so psyched okay well then the follow-up question to that question is for people and this is hard to gauge but your best guess how do you think people will respond to it if they haven't seen the X-Files before? I know you talked about how they set up a little intro to give you some context, but do you think that this is a show that like new viewers are going to actually be interested in, or is it really just going to be like a lot of like hardline olds like us? I think it's tough to say. I think that um, based on how they kind of convey things to make it more inviting for new people, how they really take the first two or three minutes to set up the universe and to set up why um, they kind of have a beginning where they kind of say, you know, we understand the X-Files was on in the 90s and like, this is weird to bring it back. But like, here's all this creepy stuff that the government that's doing is doing right now in real life that we kind of did on the show. And so here is why this is a thing that's still relevant. Um, I think that at least bringing people in at the beginning of the episode, I think they'll grab you. And yeah. I think that like, I love Mulder and Scully. Like I love Dana Scully and I think they do such a good, they do a good job of being like you people who have never met Dana Scully before. She's here and she's amazing. So you should keep watching what she's doing. She's so, about to blow your minds, kids. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I, I hope so. I hope yeah. that it's not just people that um, like nostalgia. I hope it's not just the nostalgia factor um, because it's just really hard for me to say for sure because you yeah. know I've seen all the episodes and so I have the you know I have the backstory and I have the however many years of experience with the characters but I think they made it pretty accessible and I hope that it's something that people are interested in that is my hope too because they've they've expressed that they would be open to doing you know more of these in the future should there yeah. be a demand and like obviously like not having seen them and you not having seen the other five episodes like who knows maybe it derails god willing it doesn't god willing it's great 
Um, but I would like to see them back. Like they're such, they're such delightful characters still. And in many ways, I think singular depictions on television to this day, and it will be nice having them back on my, uh, television screen. Yeah. I'm really excited. Yeah, me too. Alrighty. So are you going to be watching along live when the first one airs again? Yes, I think so. I may actually see if I can remember some more things from the panel and kind of do some tweeting in between since I will have already seen it. Um, Mm. But hopefully I'll get caught up with my rewatch by then and I can (laughs) watch it live. I have to do an average of three episodes a day, which is not a problem. Like I can just watch a bunch of the weekend. I'll make it. You you have fun with that. You enjoy season eight and season nine. The the Annabeth Gish and John Doggett years. <laughs> oh my God, the things we do for love. Shannon, thank you so much for coming to talk to us about this. Well, thanks for having me on. It was a lot of fun. I know. I cannot wait to catch up with you again at some point once um, all the episodes have run. Yeah, that would be awesome. Okay, so that was our conversation with Shanine. Thank you again for popping onto our podcast. And we'll probably hear from her again after all the new episodes have aired and when we're all hyperventilating and come back to do an episode of Reactions. But what do you think, guys? Uh, uh, <laughs> I just, so far away. I just want it in my eyes right now, all of it. Yeah. It was yeah. pretty great because we were having we were having a great Skype conversation because I played the audio for them over the recording that we obviously paused and like the conversational content is pretty fabulous anyways, but like many discussions were had just as we were listening to it, including but not limited to the fact that we agreed that like Shanine is probably a really nice person, but we hate her right now because she's already <laughs> seen it. We have. It. I'm sorry. So I'm sure you're probably very nice, but, but yes, but no. I just, we all just wish that we were as lucky as you are. So, I mean, I'm super intrigued by this mix. I think it's really smart that they decided to do two myth arc to, like, bookend it. But yeah. then they're doing yeah. the bulk of it with um, Monster of the Week. Yes. I think yeah. I think she's absolutely dead on about having, like, the right mix of both of those things. And I'm, I'm pleased to see, too. I mean, pleased to see. I'm pleased to hear that... Um, she feels like that was a good pacing of like the myth arc is to just have the two of them bookending it. Mm-hmm. And I'm 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 really curious about this kind of like introductory recap of yeah. not only what the show was, but like the fact that we're kind of living some of the stuff that they were. Absolutely, all yeah. the stuff that like crazy yeah. paranoid Mulder talked about, like <laughs> about ninety percent of it has come true. <laughs> yeah. Trust no one. Trust no one. I mean, like, it doesn't matter if you trust anyone. The NSA is totally listening in on this conversation. Hey, NSA, what up? NSA loves X-Files, too. Like, let's not be haters there. I would assume so. I would assume so. It's just such an interesting point of view, right? Like, Mm -hmm. the last time we visited this show, we hadn't fully, we hadn't become cognizant of the level of police state that we were living in yet. And now it's like, it's not fully out in the open, but, like, we're aware of the possibility and, like, our imaginations can carry us very far. And I think it's going to be interesting to see that. Yeah, and how to bring back aliens into the mix, because basically the part that's come true is all the kind of conspiracy of men that was yeah, around exactly. it. 
So how do you bring in back the aliens to whatever shit show we're in right now in terms of like world events? How do you mix that together? That's really interesting. I actually am super excited to talk about this once the episodes have aired because some of the casting decisions and some of the plot decisions and stuff that I don't necessarily consider too spoilery, but I don't want to get anybody here um, (laughs) that they've decided to introduce and to get the ball rolling is particularly intriguing. Mm -hmm. So like, I think, I don't know. I mean, like as much as I hate Chris Carter a lot, (laughs) so much, very much many. Um, I still love the guy, and I think that he's really smart, and he wrote, like, a really fucking smart television show. So I'm, like, intrigued mm-hmm. to hear, like, what his point of view on in the modern-day context is. Yep. Yep. All right. So I'm, You know what? One part what? of it she didn't touch on, but I'm curious to see... Graphic sex. Mar- it, no, well, graphic, <laughs> yes, but also, like, is, is Mark Snow going to be doing the music? He has to be. I know, but what is it going to be like the the cheap computer generated, oh you know, like synthesizer musicy <laughs> thing? And it's just like, I'm really, I'm really curious about like what the feel of it is going to be because like I've I've been watching old episodes and going like, ah, no, I know what, what you mean. Oh my god! Is. So guys, listening to this podcast, you're about to hear me do something super unprofessional, but I just want to get their uh, reactions on this. I'm about to type something to them that is a spoiler, but not a super spoiler, but that will get a reaction. Yeah! (laughs) Yes! (laughs) Yes! So okay. when she told me this, she was like, it's not really a spoiler, but like I cried and I was like, I'm also crying. <laughs> it's going to be so good and oh, so man. weird. Yeah, it's going to be great. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So guys, you just have to wait until the actual episode runs before you find out what that reaction was about. But um, I figure we're coming into the tail end of this episode where we had two really good comprehensive questions that I felt like we wanted to close on. And the first one was from our special, special guest, Shanine. She wanted to ask what our top one episode of The X-Files was, one for each of us. And I will go first, since I've actually thought about this for a while. I will say my favorite episode of all time for The X-Files is Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose. Um, It for all the reasons that we discussed in the beginning when we were talking about humor, Clyde Bruckman is funny. It is weird. It has a paranormal tinge to it. It doesn't take itself too seriously. It is an amazing episode for learning about our characters, every single one of them. And it's also one of those episodes that like marries gore and strangeness and like makes you fall in love with everyone in it. And it just made me cry like a baby. It still does when I watch it. It's it's a miracle of an episode, really. Like, it's, it's I don't know. There's there's not a, a moment wasted in that episode. It's it's perfect. Yeah. It's so, I, I think, of nine seasons, movies, <laughs> it is my favorite episode of The X-Files. Here's the thing, though. Like, unlike the both of you, I... Since I watched it um, pretty much all in one like one go, and I haven't seen it since, mm-hmm. um, A, I don't remember individual episode titles. B, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I like. I'm sorry, I just don't have enough memory. Like, I remember like specific scenes that really like impacted well, what me. About, but... What about a scene that really resonated mm-hmm. with you instead of an episode? Okay. Um, well, like every damn fangirl who watched that show, like. 
I super watched like the uh, Mulder kissing Crytek scene a billion times. And, like, <laughs> my like just so many times, so many times. Xenicus. I think I'd have to say Josie Chunks from Outer Space. Oh my god, so because good. Because it's just, okay, like, if it's not going to be Clive Buckman's, and both of those are Darren Morgan episodes. And they like, are. And they're fan favorites and for a reason. Like, these are the episodes that mix in what the show is really about and then also makes fun of what the show is about. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Josie, Josie Chung is just, so crazy and it's it's like it's one wrong turn after the other it's just like (laughs) double blinds one after the other it's never what you think and it's I don't even know how to describe it seriously it's just this mix of misunderstanding and false testimonies and the most amazing stop motion animation monster yes. that you've ever seen in your life. Yes, I would agree with you. It's a phenomenal episode. It's a phenomenal episode. But I'm going to also recommend, and just because this is, these were the episodes that I saw as they were coming up. So season six, mm-hmm. I have a really soft spot for Triangle. Oh, mm. I remember that. For That's the boat the, episode. The boat yeah. episode and the time travel one. That one's great. It's yeah. the time travel one. And yeah. and it's all the long scenes, like uncut shots, yeah. basically the whole thing. It's so masterfully done. It's really funny. It has like this crazy Nazi narrative in the middle of it. But there's also <laughs> so like, great. seriously, the, the entire section of Scully running in the FBI trying to get the coordinates to Mulder's whereabouts is genius. Like she's basically running around trying to get Skinner to give her the information. And then Spender is there as well. And she's running around. She's like, I think she almost slips at some point because it's all like one giant shot and they just didn't cut, but she's like almost wiping out at some point. And she kisses, she kisses, uh, Skinner. She kisses Skinner. She also kisses Mulder. Like yeah. it's, yes. a, it's a great episode for smooching. Yeah. Yes, it is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, Not great. Well. Then the second question that we have that we're going to close it out on is from Faye. What episode do you think best encapsulates Scully? And which episode do you think best encapsulates Mulder as characters? And Hoyden, you can just recall a scene if you want to, or pass on this one if you want to. But I'll go first again, since I've seen this question. I've been mulling it. And Mm -hmm. I would say that my favorite Scully episode of all time goes way deep in the annals. I actually like Beyond the Sea best. Mm -hmm. It's the first time that you really, I think prior to that, you don't really know about her sort of like family background or her religious history. And it's the first episode you really see her running up against like familial expectation like how the fuck could dana scully ever feel like a failure she somehow manages to right um so she feels like she's disappointed her family she um is dealing with like this nominal crisis of faith and then she loses her father and it's all about her coping with grief and like the weird intersections of like paranormal um things and sort of it just like how she manages that right and it's the first Mm -hmm. time you really see 
Mulder treating her with like this desperate tenderness because Scully doesn't really need it for the most part. Like she's very self-sufficient and handles herself very well and she wouldn't respond to it well either. But it's like the first time that he's like so soft with her because he can sense that she needs it. And it's just, yeah. it's just such a lovely it's like a lovely episode in for her. It's also a lovely episode for like Mulder to take a step back and sort of to mm-hmm. be the voice of reason in it. So I loved her in that episode. Mm-hmm. And I feel like my, this is terrible, but my favorite Mulder episode of all time. And it's really like great because it's someone else from a third point of view being like, this guy's a fucking loser is small potatoes. Yes. Is that the so movie small- one? No, Small Potatoes is the episode where um, a guy played by Darren Morgan um, has like a mutation where he can change his physical appearance. Mm-hmm. So he's been like changing his physical appearance to look like the husbands of all these women in a small town fertility clinic. Oh, so right. like also a... Luke Skywalker. And also Luke Skywalker. So there's this like totally <laughs> horrific like rape subtext. Not even subtext, but like yeah. technically he's like arrested yeah. for being a serial rapist. Mm-hmm. But like part of the episode is that he knocks Mulder, like, because Mulder is useless, he knocks him out and stuffs him into, like, a boiler room with a juice box and a sandwich, and, like, runs away and lives Mulder's life for two days, basically. And he's like, this guy is so attractive and works for the FBI and has a super hot partner and is the biggest loser that I've ever met (laughs) in the whole episode. Like, it ends with him, like, going over to Scully's house with a bottle of wine and actually having a conversation with her, which, like, Mulder has up to season four apparently never done. And, like, Mulder (laughs) finally breaks out, like, busts in on Scully's apartment because he's terrified of what's happened. And the two of them are, like, giggling on the couch talking. And Mulder looks like hot trash. And, like, fake Mulder actually looks pretty good. And you're like, ah, yes. This is why <laughs> this show is so great. It's so See, good. You, you talk about this, and then I would say that my favorite Mulder episode would be, like, Dreamland, where the exact oh God, same yes. thing happens. <laughs> the exact same thing is the one where he gets his waterbed because he gets body swapped with an Area 51 employee who also is like, Mulder is a loser. Like, weirdly, I feel like all the best Mulder episodes are the ones that make fun of him. I was gonna say, Agreed. like the other like episode I like recall really distinctly is the one where like Gary Shandling is like playing yes. Mulder in like the yeah um, yes. Hollywood yeah. AD. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> which is also oh, the episode so where Taya Leone, like m- like David Duchovny's yeah. then wife, asks Scully how she does, like how she runs runs in, three in her shoes. shoes. <laughs> And there's a great, do you remember the scene in the background? We're in the front. Yeah, in the front where Gary Shanley and David Duchovny are like, Gary Shanley's like, what side do you dress to? Like when you put on your pants, like where do you tuck your penis? Mm -hmm. And then like in the background, you could just see Gillian Anderson running back and forth in like her heels, like demonstrating. And it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen still to date. It's the best. It's so yeah. good. It's so good. Okay, actually, now that you mentioned Dream like Dreamland, it makes me think of my other favorite Mulder episode, which is also not about him, the Unnatural, the baseball one. Mm-hmm. The baseball one. It's so sweet. I love it's that. Super sweet. That's a great yeah. episode. I mean, I like guess that was for me, the... like the ending scene with like yes. Mulder trying to mm-hmm. teach Scully how to hit. I was just like, this is so beautiful. Like for me, like it's this so is good. like the sweet spot of the show right here is. Because exactly. they're so 
they're so cute with each other. He's talking so much shit, but still, like, so <laughs> it's great. It's and true. you've got this Kali giggles. She giggles. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so good. Her giggles hey is the best. This has been a blast, <laughs> and I'm super excited about the upcoming episodes. Us too. Oh, I have such high hopes. I do too. Here's hoping that they don't disappoint us. Hoyden Zanikis, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Thank, thank you for having us. All right. So, guys, that was it for this week. If you miss us during the week, you can find us at Slash Report on Twitter and on Tumblr, even though we don't post anything there. And uh, we'll catch you on the flip side, and hopefully we'll catch you on the flip side after the new episodes of Merit. Bye, guys. Bye.